0: Welcome to the Field Goals Podcast. I'm Brandon Schultz, and on Tuesday, the Seahawks sent Nick Bennett to the Pittsburgh Steelers for a fifth-round pick in 2020. Joining me to talk about that, as well as his latest article about the Chris Carson's deserved benching for his performance against the Saints, is Field Goals contributor Mookie Alexander. Mookie, welcome to the show. Great to be here, Brendan, and certainly uh, surprising
1: news uh, to, to get to before we even started recording. I don't think anybody expected that.
0: It, it was definitely unexpected. And I think and, and it came out with the news of just that Nick Vanette's going to be traded. And as fans, when there's a trade and we don't know the details, I think we all try and think about the possibilities in our head, right? As, as to what kind of deal would satisfy us as a fan. So when you saw that Vanette was going to be traded and, and not knowing the initial compensation, what was your reaction?
1: Yeah, I figured it, it's a contract here. He's been only, he's had minimal production as a pass catcher. And then as a blocker, he's been inconsistent. I don't think he's he's, he's bottom rung or anything, but I would have assumed conditional draft pick, you know, sixth or seventh rounder. Uh, so to get a fifth round pick for a 2020 fifth round pick, that is, for somebody who was drafted in the third round of 2016, that's not bad whatsoever, especially when you consider that somebody like Michael Bennett also went for a fifth round pick. So it just shows you the, the, uh, the the wackiness of the trade world in the NFL.
0: (laughs) Well, especially in, and you, I know a lot of us try and do the comp pick game too, because if he's allowed to go as a free agent, eventually, you know, what kind of compensation does he bring back to the Seahawks in that regard? And a fifth round pick would be awfully, uh, (laughs) that, that would be surprising if even to get a comp pick in the fifth round. And with the Steelers losing their quarterback, this could be a pick in the top half. Of round five, although we don't know exactly uh, the the Steelers at one point had three fifth round draft picks in 2020 with trades with the Jaguars, trades with the Rams. So I I don't know exactly where in that fifth round it would be, depending on if it's the Steelers or one of those other picks. So and and then it further complicated things when they traded with the Dolphins and Minka Fitzpatrick. So I I don't know if we're going to know for a while exactly where in the fifth round that pick's going to be.
1: Yeah, and uh, right now it's very early in the season, but if it's their pick or the Jaguars' pick, then it still should be pretty high up there, unless Jacksonville makes a run. Because we assume the Rams are, are going to be playoff contenders again, so e- even still, a fifth-round pick of any sort, I think, is a is a good uh, good return for somebody like who Like I said, he's he's just been depth and not really, you know, a long-term part of Seattle's Mads. He could have been, and I think uh, Matty F. Brown had had commented on this, he could have been a cut candidate if Ed Dixon didn't get injured.
0: And I think that's where everybody's thinking. You know, Jacob Hollister ends up on the practice squad at the the start of the season, and fans were wondering, you know, is he even going to be able to make it to the practice squad? Fortunately, he does. And so it it makes it pretty obvious, I think, to us that we can now expect Hollister to— be moved from the practice squad to the active 53.
1: Yeah, because Dixon is still on IR for another several weeks, and it's surprising to me because I actually thought Dixon was the, was the cut candidate, and he, he ends up getting hurt, and he's he'll be back sometime, what, October, late October, I believe. But, of course, the two big stories here would be uh, concerning the tight end position. George Fant, obviously that means he's finally going to get some targets this year. <laughs> finally! <laughs> finally. <laughs> and uh, really, I think Bennett being expendable is also related to Uh, how well Will Disley has played. Yeah. You know, coming off such a serious injury last year, we didn't know how he would perform uh, to start this season. And through three weeks, you couldn't ask for much more out of him.
0: Well, I think you left off one of the storylines, Mookie. And that I think that's um, you know, it's a question on the mind of all Seahawks fans. Is this officially the end of techno Thursday? Yeah, it must be. Unless they bring
1: back Luke Wilson, because I think (laughs) the last I heard of Luke, he, he tried out for the saints and he, he didn't get signed. So if they uh, if they want to keep Techno Thursday alive, Luke's available, man. <laughs> Bring back Luke. <laughs> exactly. I know Alistair is, is clamoring for that. It must be the <laughs> Canadian bias, but uh, yeah, Luke, Luke Wilson. If, you know, if you want to compare the the open field speed of Luke Wilson and Nick Vanette, those two could not be any more
0: different. I think you actually do get a blocking upgrade with Wilson coming back. Yeah, Vanette. <laughs> I, I showed a play against the Bengals where um, uh,
1: when Wilson got tacked off of Drake Kirkpatrick blitz. Bennett was just way too slow to react, and and Kirkpatrick is his guy, and he doesn't lay a finger on him. So I have to think that some of his other issues, and with blocking in general, and maybe pass blocking more than anything else, made him uh, a candidate to be traded. And I'm kind of confused why Pittsburgh is is that needy a tight end, but I guess Vance McDonald has got a shoulder injury of some sort. But Vance McDonald is a noted pass catcher, so Vanette doesn't quite fit the bill. But if, you know the the Steelers are making. An unusually high amount of moves uh, compared
0: to previous season midseason moves. Especially considering they lose Ben Roethlisberger and, there and here they are. They trade for a Fitzpatrick and now they're trading for Nick Vinette. It It's a very interesting time, I think, as a Steelers fan. Yeah, they
1: could have just as easily signed Luke Wilson themselves and and save themselves giving up a twenty twenty fifth rounder. Sure, <laughs>
0: right. Hey, I'm not going to complain. I'll take it. <laughs> Definitely will take that, and it kind of leads us into our next conversation because it was Nick Vanette whiffing on a block that led to a Chris Carson and Russell Wilson fumbled exchange at the game against the Steelers that allowed them to pick up the football, nearly run it into the end zone, and I know we're kind of asking the question of is it Russell's fault, is it Chris Carson's fault, but that's not the only issue that Chris Carson has had with fumbling. You go back to the game against the Bengals, and then in this game against the Saints, he fumbles the football, the Saints pick it up and return it for an easy score, and that's eventually what helped the, the Saints get the win over the Seahawks in Week 3. Yeah, I actually forgot that that Vanette was also the one
1: whiffing on the uh, the botched handoff, that they charged officially to Wilson, and I understand that because if the handoff is not completed, it's got to be charged to the quarterback or whomever's got the ball and is handing the ball off to the running back. But, yeah, this has been a, a rough time for Chris Carson. I, lo- I love Chris Carson. He was the, all the talk of the preseason and training camp in 2017, and he looked far and away the best back on the 2017 roster before he got injured. And then we had to endure the the Eddie Lacy, Thomas Rawls, and, and late-season Mike Davis trio. But this has been really about as disappointing a start as you could imagine for Carson because it's not just the fumbles. The fumbles are are the headline story here. It's it's three lost fumbles in three games. One as a receiver and then two as a rusher. And two of those three fumbles ended up leading to to touchdowns for the opposition. Mm -hmm. And all of his lost fumbles, even if you want to include the, the botched handoff, have been deep in Seattle's own territory. So you're asking a lot for the defense to defend short fields like that on a weekly basis on in an unexpected manner. And if you add that to his overall ineffective play, he's averaging three and a half yards per carry, and I'm not entirely sure that's exclusively on the offensive line. It's ineffective play combined with carelessness and in this always compete world. And especially at a position that is as replaceable as running back. I'm not saying healthy scratch cars or anything like that, but, uh, there has to be some sort of accountability on his part. And you could give C.J. Procise or Rashad Penny a shot at the starting position, especially if Penny does return this weekend. And I'm not sure anyone would particularly complain. But with that said, I understand why Carroll has got his full confidence in Carson because compared to Penny and, and ProSize, Carson is easily the, the best of the three backs when it comes to running between the tackles. But if Brian Schottenheimer is a very qual- high-quality offensive coordinator, I think they can scheme Pro and Penny to be effective, you know, running plays that are suited to their strengths, especially in open space. And I wouldn't mind if the offense changed that way. But Carson, at the very least, because I don't expect him to be benched this weekend at all, he's got to be on a short leash. Another turnover like that, and it's just going to make Carroll see because it's all about the ball for him and this unusual spate of, of fumbles, something that he was benched in junior college for, it, it can't be sitting well with anybody.
0: But it seems like he had it figured out. Last year, going a full season, well, not quite a full season, but played 14 games, started in those 14 games, 1,300 yards from scrimmage. He had 267 touches and only three fumbles in all of last season. And now he's at the level of touches that he had in his rookie season in 2017 where he didn't fumble the ball at all, and already three fumbles. So its I don't quite understand how a player can go from seemingly figuring it out to now all of a sudden having these fumbling issues. It, it just seems like when they come out of college, they they have the problem and they either get it fixed or they don't. But it, I, I don't know if I can think of any player, at least in Seahawks history, where you saw that kind of regression.
1: Yeah, it, it could also just be some bad luck. Uh, you know, a couple of those FOMOs, in fairness, look like pretty good defensive plays. Yeah. And I remember last year, the very first game of the season, he lost the FOMO because Von Miller just literally ripped the ball right out of his arms. and that's Vaughn Miller for you um Khalil Mack can do the exact same thing against anybody quarterback running back you name it but last year again he was very effective one of the top backs in the league and compared to this year it's been like night and day now again early in the season the offensive line has objectively had its issues both with with run blocking and at least for those first couple of games pass blocking but from Carson's standpoint the, the fumbling issue, I think, is fixable. And, of course, you can cite Tiki Barber as one of the, the great examples there. But for somebody to have that issue in college, and then it goes away when he goes from junior college to Oklahoma State, and then it goes away in the NFL, he had a couple of fumbles last year, as you mentioned, and then it comes back again, I, I, I don't know what to make of that.
0: Well, Mookie, as we've been talking, it sounds like Techno Thursday may not be dead after all. We mentioned that it may have been a mistake for the Steelers not to go after Luke Wilson, and now Adam Kaplan breaking the news that Luke Wilson is expected to sign on with the Seahawks sometime on Wednesday. So not only does Seattle pick up a 2025th rounder, but they may also have a mild upgrade over what we've seen from Vanette so far this season. So a bit of good news as we go into the break. We'll come back and finish the conversation about Chris Carson's performance against the Saints. For tuning into the Field Goals podcast, subscribe to this show as well as the other NFL podcasts on SB Nation at sbnation.com/slash NFL podcasts. Mookie, we've been talking about your latest article and how it looks into that idea that Chris Carson's performance against the Saints was worthy of him getting benched. And in that article, you highlight two back-to-back plays: one where Carson misses an open lane on third and six, and then on fourth and five, he gets absolutely blown up while protecting Wilson on his pass attempt to Tyler Lockett. Yeah, it, and it was
1: a, it was a blitz. And, of course, you're referring to this was when they're down 27-7. The Saints just muffed the punt, and then the Seahawks have an opportunity to, to cut it to 27-14 a lot sooner than they actually did. Mm-hmm. And third and six, it, I don't like the play call in the first place, but still, they ran the ball, and it looks like there's a hole on the right side, and Carson has to go to the side where there's an unblocked linebacker, and he gets stuffed right away. And that's one bad play, but then the next bad play, I feel like Wilson's still could to hit that throw to Tyler Lockett anyway, Yeah, but it didn't help that Carson, who's normally the, the top pass-blocking running back on the depth chart, he ends up getting completely run over by the blitzer, and Wilson's got to hurry the throw just a tad, and that's the difference probably between a touchdown and an incomplete pass and a turnover on downs. And as, as others have been studying tape, that fourth and one play in the same game uh, that was late in the first half, and got stuffed. It looked like Carson could have cut to the outside and he might have just had a misread there. And he basically ran right into the teeth of the defense. Mm-hmm. And that is quite costly because again, it was 13 to seven, no, no reason to panic. And instead of keeping the drive alive and at least getting a field goal out of it and certainly denying the Saints the ball again before the, the second half can start, uh, it turns into 20 to seven and, and Seattle's facing an uphill battle. So as I said, it's not just the Fumas and not, not just the ineffectiveness, but that Saints game in particular had to have been one of the worst showings of his career, and, and we didn't even bring up the slips. Right. Uh, he had issues with with slipping on that field, and he, he even slipped after changing his cleats. So I don't know what was going on there, but he looked like what, we're, what we've
0: widely mocked Kristen Michael for, which is poor balance. You don't expect a regression from a player like Carson after the season that he had, and you, th- you start thinking in your mind, you know, if, gosh, if we can't take care of the football, well, at least maybe he can hit, you know, those third and shorts because, you know, go back to pre-Chris Carson and after Marshawn Lynch, they never seem to have anybody that could hit that hole on those third and short to where you, you know, that you're, you have an opportunity, at least if you hand Chris Carson the ball on third and two on third and one, that he's, you know, more likely than not going to get you that first down. And he had multiple opportunities against the saints he had those slips, and now you're asking yourself, well, you know, what is Chris Carson's role going to be if he can't hit those third and ones, if he can't you know, stay on his feet in the backfield and at least pick up three or four yards on first down, and if he's fumbling the ball in the backfield. So it it makes you wonder, gosh, is C.J. the where you go? And they tried that in the game against the Saints. They gave ProSize a couple carries, but he was pretty ineffective too, especially running in between the tackles. Yeah, and I can't imagine a
1: scenario where you would I think it was the third and one that Proceis had in the fourth quarter, and they tried running him up the gut, and and that got stuffed. And the few other times that Proceis has ever carried the ball, even dating back to his rookie season, C.J. Proceis is not your short yardage back pretty much ever. Mm -hmm. Uh, So Rashad Penny, I think, has got a better chance of being that back, and he's still young. He's still got a lot to, to learn, but for Carson, I can chalk that that Saints game hopefully to just one really bad game because even the mistakes he made against Pittsburgh and and Cincinnati, he still had some effective moments. Now, it doesn't necessarily show up uh, with, with the advanced metrics. It, it paints him in, in an unkind manner. But, look, the, the running back situation with Seattle has, has been funky for years ever since Marshawn Lynch left. And we have seen that Pete Carroll is, is not willing to give a lot of rope to, to guys who have got ball security issues this was a thing with Kristen Michael and he was given the healthy scratch numerous times. And even though he wasn't like he was fumbling like crazy on the field, uh, there were some iffy moments And I did think against the Rams, he ended up basically costing them a game because of a fumble. And then Alex Collins, uh, who had one good season in Baltimore, Mm -hmm. he had fumbling problems with Seattle and then he had fumbling problems with Baltimore. Now he's out of the league for multiple reasons, including legal issues. So for Carson, there are ways for this to get better. Hopefully Arizona is a, is a get-well game for him because that Cardinals defense, if we're being honest, is quite bad. It yeah. is probably the worst defense of the four, C, uh, four teams that the Seahawks have played or will have played uh, this month. But if it doesn't get better from here, then they have to consider giving Penny and, and, and Procise, uh more looks. And even Travis Homer as well. A bit disappointing not to see Travis Homer get any snaps last week because I did like what I saw from him in preseason. But it, it is kind of weird how we started this season you know, at the end of preseason, before week one. And we're getting on Penny for really not showing much burst and, and struggling between the tackles. And then prosize it's never been a talent issue for him. It's just been an issue of staying healthy. Well, prosize is healthy now. And Penny, the last time we saw him, he had the best game of his career, arguably. Uh, or one of the best games of his career against Pittsburgh. So we, we went from Carson is our our savior and Penny and prosize got a lot to prove to you know, Carson's got to watch himself or else Penny and process are going to take some of his snaps.
0: With that in mind, I think the offensive line does deserve some of the blame in this because mm-hmm. you know, you look at some of those slips by Chris Carson was him trying to avoid an unblocked guy. I think Justin Britt missed a block where uh, he was just immediately having to deal with a guy right in his face after, after taking the handoff, you know, the, you know, we pointed out that Vinette missed the block that led to the, the fumble against the Steelers. So, the, the blocking definitely could be better up front, but I, you know, I share you know, some of your frustration too. And Travis Homer, not getting the ball in some of those short yardage situations because it was Homer in short yardage that looked like he was a guy could, who could put his head down and get a couple yards too. And so maybe we'll see that in upcoming games. If Carson continues to have fumbling issues.
1: Yeah. The offensive line, uh, we did touch upon this already, but Brett has, has been really off his game. And I, I wonder if that injury he had in week one has been, uh, a little bit more serious than they've been letting on. And then, of course, Eopati's been in and out of the lineup. We don't know how hurt Dwayne Brown is. So here we go again with the Seahawks offensive line getting banged up just when we thought this was the most optimistic we've ever been about any offensive line for, for, for the Seahawks under Pete Carroll. The, the, the coaching staff has to take some accountability as well for the game plan because even with all of Carson's struggles, he should not he should have never had 12 carries in the first half. But Basically, after that fumble that should have been a significant reduction in touches the rest of the way. Yeah. Uh, and I guess, in fairness, he only got three touches uh, in the second half, three carries in the second half. But that was also because the Seahawks were down by, by three scores at that point, and they had no choice but to go into you know, heavy pass mode. So in an ideal world, starting this weekend, I would love to see the offense geared more towards Russell Wilson, essentially. More of the passing game, because I'm really encouraged with what uh, the passing game has shown. Uh, in in the early part of the season, while the running game, the the rushing success rates is, I I believe, dead last. Mm. And to regress to 2017 standards would be one of the most surprising developments of the early part of this season, because it looked like things were fixed last year and that this was a super dangerous rushing attack without Russell Wilson needing to be uh, a, a serious rushing threat. And now Wilson has had to be some form of a rushing threat and scrambles both in this game and then towards the end of the Pittsburgh game Otherwise, uh, that there have been some uh, some setbacks with the way this offense has had to uh, maneuver its way down the field, and the sloppiness is part of the reason why they've had to squeak out wins over two currently winless teams, and then they end up actually losing to a team without uh, its superstar quarterback. So they've got to get this fixed. And if, if, you know, in fairness, Seattle has always been a slow starting team under Carroll. Right. Even when they win, it's been kind of ugly but this one feels uh, the type of ugliness that we saw from 2017 which was man it looks like they can't get a first down hardly half the time Uh, but we'll see how it goes they better get this right asap because that schedule starting in october with the rams game is not very forgiving even the road games against teams like cleveland atlanta those are
0: hardly gimmies even though they've they both look like they're they're underachievers well, it does make me wonder because it was last year when they seemed to go pass heavy in those first two games and realized that that was giving them issues, and then they went to a more run heavy offense. I I do wonder if now that they'll see see that through these first three games and now make the switch to the opposite direction after these initial games. But I I haven't you know knowing Pete and the way he likes to play, I I don't have uh, any real optimism that they're going to shift toward, you know, it it may trend more pass heavy, but I don't think it's going to be as pass heavy as like we saw in the second half against the saints. Yeah. Almost certainly won't. But the Steelers game, I think is a great
1: basis for what the Seahawks offense could look like. Uh, The quick passing game. I've not seen the quick passing game for, for for the Seahawks look this good under Wilson pretty much ever. And the fact that they they've been able to have some considerable amount of success without relying heavily on play action I think that's a, a significant development uh, in, in a positive trend. But if they're going to keep going with trying to be balanced and, quote-unquote, establishing the run, then we're all going to be head-to-desk by by midway through the first quarter.
0: Well, Mookie, really want to thank you for coming on and helping break it down. Uh, anything coming up on com that listeners should look for? I don't have anything in the pipeline, really, this week. I do have something, I, I believe, on the Seahawks secondary and the
1: fact that we're now in 13 consecutive games without any of the cornerbacks, and that includes the slot guys recording an interception. Uh, but what I do hope to have is an enemy reaction next Tuesday uh, <laughs> after Seattle beats Arizona, and maybe a, a, an enemy reaction double because they got a Thursday night game after
0: that. Nice, yeah. A couple of in-division games in a short amount of time for the Seahawks coming up. This could be, gosh, it could go really badly or go really well over these next two games.
1: Yeah, well, the four and one, we're over the moon, and it's like this podcast never happened. Ah, uh, two and three, panic button. Yeah. Three and two, it's going to very much depend on how that two-game process worked out.
0: I'll just just sign me up for three and two right now, and uh, I think I think I'll be fine because, like I'll- you mentioned, the slow starts are not unusual for the team. And right now, I think going one and one against the next two division opponents that uh, that seems just like a fair trade off. I just want to get out of Arizona alive.
1: I can't stand playing at that stadium because yes. something bad happens there every year, even when they win.
0: Yeah, I think in Major League, what uh, what did he, you know, pray to Joe Boo? What, they need to set up like a Joe Boo statue in the Seahawks locker room uh, ahead of this game against Arizona, just, I think, to to be safe. Bubble wrap, everybody. It's going to be hard to play the game that way, but uh,
1: I think that's the most effective way to get out of there alive.
0: All right, Mookie, well, with that, I think uh, that's a, a, good, uh, <laughs> a good note to get out of here on. Thank you for having me. A big thanks to Mookie Alexander once again. Be sure and give him a follow on Twitter at Mookie Alexander and check out his articles at fieldgoals.com right on the homepage titled Chris Carson's Performance versus Saints Was Bench Worthy. Other articles to look for at fieldgoals.com. Kenneth Arthur has the details on the Seahawks trade for Nick Vanette. Mookie also has an article announcing the release of Jakai Polite from the Seahawks practice squad. He was a third-round draft pick by the Jets that the Seahawks picked up. And there was maybe some potential there, but he was released from the practice squad this week. So check out the details there, all at fieldgoals.com. And lastly, you can subscribe to the show and any NFL podcast on SB Nation by going to sbnation.com slash NFL podcasts. And until next time, go Hawks!